1: And welcome to This Must Be The Place. You're listening to Elizabeth Taylor of the Centre for Urban Research at RMIT University. And you've also just been listening to a few sounds I recorded on my recent trip to Japan. So you heard some of the crows, which were a big presence in Tokyo, and also some of the sounds of the Tokyo I think, subway system. So today's episode is about japan it's me talking with the two people i traveled around japan with that's helen rowe who's a transport planner and nicole cook who's an urban geographer so we're all people with transport or planning backgrounds but i should stress that the podcast and our discussion isn't based on any particular expertise or any research it's really just some of our initial impressions of cities in japan so we talk about things like transport toilets car parking signage and we didn't do any research for this so anyone with a deeper understanding of some of these topics might want to pull us up or perhaps explain some of our questions. But in the meantime here's me, Helen and Nicole at the Tokyo main station before we headed home after a bit of over a week. Unfortunately we were looking for a quiet place to debrief for the podcast and we ended up at a tapas bar at the train station which had a nice calming atmosphere but it also had a a more or less non-stop soundtrack of adult contemporary music so you'll hear that in the background and you may or may not enjoy it but now listening to Liz Taylor in Tokyo, Tokyo station, oh. Tokyo main station in Japan uh, for This Must Be The Place, and I'm here with two people I've been traveling around Japan with for the last 10 days. We've got Helen Rowe. Hello.
2: Do you want to introduce yourself quickly? My um, name's Helen Rowe, as Liz said. Um, I'm a sort of urban planner-esque policy background person. Um, I do some research with Liz on car parking and also work at design Studio. And I'm also with Nicole Cook. Dr Nicole Cook. Hi Liz.
0: Um, I'm from University of Wollongong and I'm a lecturer in human geography there and I specialize in urban geography.
1: And I should stress that none of us have like prepared what we're going to see. (laughs) We're not speaking with authority as, as professionals but I thought we could, because we're about to go home, share some thought our initial impressions on uh, cities in Japan, what kind of works here that maybe we could use at home or just sort of weird questions we had. So we started just before I started recording, you were all talking about lunch boxes. I don't think that quite comes under the remit of urban planning, but lunch boxes are those everything's compartmentalized. Bento. Bento boxes. What similar things they have in, in the urban realm. Well one kind of feature that I was going to comment on was um, the toilets, because I think that toilets, toilets are Japan different are, amazing. are amazing. They have lots of them. I never had any moment where I was like, where's the toilet? It was always a toilet. And they have interesting features, such as they have a braille um, at the front. Signage. Signage, so that anyone can find out where everything is inside the bathroom. And sometimes the seats get heated which I initially thought was disgusting and then I thought, actually it makes some sense.
2: When I drop between, well, below 10 degrees. Yeah,
1: and you also had buttons on there including a button to make the sound of the toilet flushing that wasn't flushing to disguise the sound of you oh. using
0: the toilet.
2: And I think also braille on the signs, on all the various buttons to flush yes. the toilet and That's true. everything else. And there was also a seat in many for um,
1: mothers with babies. There was a seat you placed the baby in
2: uh, it's kind of like a high chair attached to yeah, the wall so that yeah. you can be hands-free while you're kind yep. of going about your business. Yep. Next, and there were <laughs>
0: hooks as well, many
2: hooks That's <laughs> right.
0: to hang your jacket or um, place your umbrella next to you
2: or Basically if you thought of it, <laughs> right. someone Japanese had thought of it before you and, and catered for you in some way. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. Just
2: a little of a theme of Japan overall, I think.
0: Yeah.
2: And we've been mm-hmm. travelling around on lots of
1: trains, comments on trains.
0: Well, the the train network is very dense, as in there's lots of options: subways, um, surface rail, regional rail, and it feels like there's stations all through the city, and it's a, a kind of very dense network. I
2: think. Just take it. I guess a side line of that. So at like the train museum in Kyoto, on the way there, we saw a few trams and stopped to look at them and noticed that. Uh, they had maps there of the presumably the, the, the tram network in Kyoto that had been removed. I was actually clear when it would be removed, but we'd be noticing in the night before. We couldn't get around the town particularly easily. We were walking really large distances without finding things. Not sure where the downtown is, and we thought that that grid network of trams sort would of have made Kyoto fantastic. Mm,
1: Kyoto but, was a lot harder to get around.
2: But on the flip side was there were bikes everywhere. Mm. Uh, Although I think um, I think it's a bit of a debate in Melbourne at the moment about riding bikes on the footpath. Mm-hmm. And in Kyoto, it's lots of signs about beware of bikes and sort of share. It says, Watch out, bikes. Yeah, they sort of share the footpath. And we were certainly by the end of the time we were there. I noticed we went from walking a, uh, three abreast to definitely we were walking single file by the time we left Kyoto. And
1: the people, the cyclists who were so. Um I guess, uh, confident about. I mean, to be fair, a lot of these uh, footpaths actually had a side that was bike, a side that was mm. footpath, but someone was just mingled. That's the one you had to jump out of the way. The cyclists, I mean, the debates in Melbourne at the moment are all about aggressive young male cyclists, but in Kyoto, well, it was everyone. All genders,
0: all ages. Yeah, more like
1: Europe. Several, sometimes Old three bikes. children on a bicycle, that kind of thing. But they were just, um, were occasionally difficult um but we've got the map here of the tokyo subway mind-blowing that's only one part of it like that's not including the jr line no it's just the subway incredible another thing we learned at the uh railway museum in kyoto was a little bit of the history of railways in japan to I know, Nicole, you picked up the fact that it was nationalised in the 1950s, was
0: it? Yes, I think it was early 1950s it was nationalised, after World War II.
1: But then I picked up that it was privatised, so the railway network was sold off uh, in mid-1980s. So, as far as I understand it, all the train lines are run separately as private companies. I'm not sure exactly Mm -hmm. how that worked out, but when was Peak Steam? Oh, yeah, that's another thing. They had a map of when steam trains were moving. Peak steam was 1950 something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And they had some demo steam trains. Um, and needless to say, like the level of. Um, while we were here, there was a bit of an internet story going around about a train in Tokyo that was left 20 seconds early, so they had to apologize. It's a bit like that everything ran exactly on time. Um, Everything's really customer oriented. Lots of information, very reliable, so that seems to be a key characteristic of Japan. I have no idea how you'd replicate that anywhere else. Here's one of our other ideas. Nicole, your uh, slogan for why shouldn't we have a Shinkansen bullet train between Sydney and Melbourne. You Quite know, a bullet train. it. <laughs> <laughs> it has to happen eventually in Australia. Well, we say that optimistically.
2: The, just the quirky things. Well, actually, Colin and I were having the conversation this morning about well, how the, there's fantastic food provided at all the stations. We can get a bento box to about anything, mm-hmm. but there's also vending machines everywhere that have got hot drinks in them. So you get a hot coffee or a hot tea. But, a hot fanta but, but in terms of like, <laughs> food production, surely the level of waste oh, is, is oh, incredible. Yeah. The amount of um, energy going into. There must be a vending machine every you know 50 metres. Yes. <clears throat> and how much power and. Um, <coughs> is going to these things cooled and heated all the time
0: yeah and there's so much plastic like it's impossible to imagine a lot of the food that we've eaten and the drinks that we've had without plastic being a, a really central component so
1: even bananas came individually plastic wrapped
0: yes and oranges individually plastic wrapped as well although japan does import a lot of food so mm. Mm. although we saw quite a lot of urban agriculture as well mm. um, that's right Travels, but most food is imported in Japan, yeah. So that could explain a lot of the the packaging, which makes it easier to account for individual food items and to. I guess costs various processes of the food supply Mm -hmm. as it reaches the retailer and the consumer. But Mm
2: -hmm.
0: yeah, plastic everywhere, absolutely everywhere. I was even umbrellas. That's right.
1: And you could refresh every time (laughs) you went into a store if it was raining. You could, in fact, I say could. You were more or less instructed to plastic wrap your umbrella (laughs) to stop it dripping on the floor, and then you take it off again.
2: or is listed. Just leave your umbrella behind in <laughs> every town and buy a new umbrella every time you arrive. Yeah, that was not very efficient. <laughs> um, I thought the urban agriculture was interesting. That it was on the train going out of between Tokyo and Kyoto. This was that. Or was it going to Kasatsu. I was going to Kasatsu, okay. I think. And yeah. they had just little, you know, suburban areas that had, um, I see, a house box-sized. Um, veggie garden every, you know, it seemed like every few hundred metres. Yes, like almost every block had a
0: designated fairly
2: significantly
0: sized yeah. garden. Yeah. What are you saying was the history that list? Mm. I'll have to check this later, but
1: I he- remember hearing that actually, Japan never really had a strong tradition of zoning, like zoning urban or rural. It was quite a um, patchwork of uses. This happened and for some time some Japanese planners were a little bit self-conscious that you know this wasn't very uh, modern or twentieth century because you'd have you know a rice paddy or a vegetable field and then be apartment block next to it and partly that meant it was well, I'm not sure which came first but that um, growing vegetables in particular but also rice is actually very high um, high value so you make quite a lot of money out of growing vegetables and they were commercially viable enterprises and as far as I know, they still are. So they're not there because they've been protected or because someone has planned them that way, they're there because there wasn't ever a zoning distinction between farming and and urban areas and they were... Making enough money for vegetables to keep going, and then I just quickly check what are the threats to urban agriculture in Japan because, of course, now it's quite fashionable or desirable to have urban agriculture. The main threat is actually the aging of the population and also our farmers in particular so, passing on skills. Yeah, and the only this apparently the only prospects they have for keeping a lot of these urban farms going is urban, um, you know, younger Japanese people taking it on as a sort of hobby or a fun thing to do. Rather than as a commercial thing, because it's hard work. And uh, but the farmers themselves are all like 80 years old or something like that. So that's my uh, what I remember about it. Anyway, I'd like to comment just quickly on parking because parking in <coughs> Japan is. Um, I knew that before I came. Of course, is this um, bazaar world where everything's completely different. So a couple of exceptions, like one street here and there, a couple of different places. But as a general rule, you never saw a car parked on the street not a thing that people do. A lot of really narrow streets that were you know, cars could drive down them but there's no parked cars on them. And cars get parked in garages. Um little paid garages with you know like maybe have four or five parking spots in them. Or more or less like sometimes they'd be shared with a vending machine so you go in Buy a can of hot phantom or hot coffee and or park your vehicle. Just a sm- small commercialized parking system, rather than on-street parking. Or and sometimes the garages are very large. But as I understand it, in Japan, that's how things go. Like they've never really had a public system of parking. It's always been um, private, and it's always been off the street. Did you guys notice, or is it just me as a parking person that thinks about that? You're very, a, a
2: parking person. Too. Very few cars. Cars park. We arrived on a Sunday mm-hmm. and ran Shibuya. There was barely any cars on the street at all. Mm. Yeah, it so, almost felt the, car free but, some of that. It was more on a weekday, but I'm not sure if that was a, maybe it was a weekend kind of thing for, for mm. shopping and pedestrian. Well, was just very few cars. Mm. This many fantastic trains, um, mm-hmm. you know. I imagine that all the costs, if, if there's a private cost of car parking, separate from your title. Mm-hmm or do a rental, I mean, what's the point? The cost would be astronomical, I'm assuming. I think so, yeah. For the, for the return you'd get. Mm-hmm. If you can't park at any destinations, then why, yeah.
1: why would you bother? Yes, you can easily go on the train. Oh, and the other detail about Japanese parking, which you can't tell by looking at it, is that where, say, in Australia the system is when you buy a house you have to buy a parking spot because maybe you'll get a car. The system in Japan is when you buy a car you have to show you have a parking spot, otherwise you're not allowed to buy the car. Yeah. The parking spot doesn't have to be at your house, it just has to be within a walking distance of your house, which is where those little um, pop-up parking spots come in, I think.
2: Other comments? Um, a couple around, um, so we first ate in an area of Shibuya that was famous for its love hotels
1: oh, those. yeah yeah so um
2: just <laughs> fascinating because and i guess it's kind of like an urban planning related i think it's well the mm. little i know about them i'd say it's an urban planning related issue that that living in small small apartments or small houses or sharing a <laughs> place with your with your parents yeah that these hotels were like the streets were full of slightly sheepish looking couples coming in because you could rent a room by mm. like mm. Hour or by no, every a few hours or well, for the night, um, I guess it's kind of like going out on a date and going out for dinner and you visit a love hotel for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, maybe a, an urban planning offshoot of um, very small homes.
1: Yeah, it's
2: like atomized. The other interesting thing about Shibuya, for some reason we never quite worked out um, the entire neighbourhood we were staying in, which is the name I've forgotten what it's called. <laughs> oh oh my Dug and, and, and
0: Zaka? Something
2: Daka? like that. Mm-hmm. i have to fact check that as well. Yeah. Um, it piped in the Beatles for four hours every day from four o'clock for the entire neighbourhood. We used to walk around and so subsequently we were singing the entire entire Beatles back catalogue for the entire time we've been travelling around. And we were debating whether many other bands could fill a four hour slot every night with a a back catalogue of hits you could sing along to so we felt that it was hard to challenge the Beatles so they'd selected well but Mm. um, We
0: had some suggestions (coughs) that we we could also feel that amount of time with hits what were they did we think Fleetwood Mac um, Abba Abba yes Billy
2: Joel or was that just me I don't know It was trying to try and stick to that kind of feel-good kind of music as well um, yeah. but we never really got to the point of what that was for so we stayed there for about four days and yes. every day uh, the Beatles came on at four o'clock and played till about eight, that we know of. So, whether it was um, an after-work crowd giving the mood, or keeping young people—maybe young people—maybe Beatles is like classical music to um, Melbourne subway stations. Yeah, it stops people. Ordering. Could be getting people, you know, into the mood to drink and eat and
1: yeah, in a love that's... Hotel,
2: or it could be to get people to move along.
1: Who um, knows? Couldn't. Uh, it was one of those things in life where I couldn't Google the answer. So, if you have any listeners have any answers, let me know. Because it's not offensive enough to like move people on, I think, unless, as Helen says, young people particularly hate the beetle. It
0: also wasn't really loud. Yeah. Like it was sort of, it wasn't, you know, so noisy, that it was mm. like um, annoying. Mm. So it seemed quite nice. <laughs> Low volume Beatles in the background. Yeah.
1: it is worth commenting on just how incredibly polite everyone is here. I mean, I felt like a buffoon a lot of the time. You know, like, you know, my bag kept falling over. Um, actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I thought I would feel like a gigantic animal, but actually I just felt um, a little bit less um, polite than other people here. But people make, when it, like, for example, we got on a train and the person was demonstrating how to turn it around. And yes, we had the seats, the
0: seats that around. were facing. Mm-hmm. Um, away from each other and his fellow traveller who was also going to the spa town that we were headed to got up and demonstrated how we turned the seat around which actually was we probably did need that demonstration (laughs) because it involved kind of depressing a lever underneath the the seat that we might not have found otherwise. Mm. So she sort of insisted on demonstrating that for us and assuming that we would want to be faced that way Which we sort of did but also there was less leg room so we're all sitting there with less leg room for Mm Most of the journey, not wanting to be impolite, by turning it back around the other way, which I think is how Japan
2: starts. <laughs> Everyone doesn't want to be impolite, so they all do. But yeah, interestingly, we noticed that not many people. Are, um, since the old people, all people in Japan are pretty hardy, and you know the transitions often involve stairs. I mean, there is accessibility, but the houses have got very sharp stairs. Um, people didn't seem to offer anyone seats on the train. They just kind of met. No, but then Nicole offered um, on the bus up to Kisetsu Kas- offered someone a seat and I think she'd never had it happen to her before. So she she came and found found Nicole in the hotel the next, next day. day yeah. And um in broken Japanese English and some gesticulating managed to convey how happy it made her that Nicole had offered her a seat. And you thought she'd come <laughs> up to Break you. Because Nicole had stolen someone's slippers. <laughs> <laughs> the whole sort of system of slippers system of slippers. It
0: kind of feels like there's like a governance system around a slipper in Japan. And um, I had forgotten my slippers to go to breakfast, so coming out of
2: the breakfast room... (laughs) Couldn't explain that to anybody. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) But I took some slippers coming out of the breakfast room. And so when this lady who I had forgotten that I'd stood up for her... Um, so she could have a seat on the bus. Came up to me, I thought she was
2: going to accuse accusing me
0: of taking her slippers early in the morning. And it turned out that she was just wanting to thank me and then of course she talked to us in Japanese even though we didn't really know what she was saying. She didn't seem to mind though. She just kept does yeah, chatting.
1: Clean, of course, well, there was the
2: one that's sick wears a mask. Yes, well we odd. went through an area this morning that had um, fairly aggressive signs up saying it was a was it? beautification <laughs> enforcement area.
0: <laughs> yes, there is this kind of like, like everyone is really polite and everything seems very organised, but there's these sort of quite forceful statements everywhere and a kind of level of <coughs> perceived or actual risk about things.
1: Well didn't you see the sign about don't don't text while walking?
2: You may get hit by a train. Yes. And kill someone or something like that. Yeah,
0: you may I even write on my hands. You may be hit by a train or fall on the tracks. Like it's kind of dramatic consequences of quite minor things, and I don't know whether that's a translation thing. Maybe it's a the translation. Like,
2: it seems thing. like using your mobile phone anywhere in public is very frowned upon as well. Not, yeah. not not texting in a seat, but I think talking on your phone. Yeah, in they in tell public. you that on the train you have to move the to the, train. the carriage. Yeah, yeah um, they wouldn't cope well
1: on V line, I don't think. <laughs> on the Maybe, quiet the characters. Characters. Maybe the quiet. Even the quiet carriage is not. They're never really not, quiet. Yeah, not really that quiet. And the level of an <clears throat> real and Social enforcement here is a lot higher. Um, there was something I was going to add about that though. Enforcement. Uh, oh yeah, that's alright. So, alcohol here, very liberal attitude to alcohol. You wherever. And also, smoking. Like, we went to breakfast this morning and I woke to the long-forgotten and, I must say, not-missed smell of someone smoking at
0: 8 o'clock in the
2: morning in a cafe. Yes, it felt like we were in one of those cordoned off areas for smokers, but we were just in a cafe and the smell of nicotine was so mm. overwhelming. But in a topsy-turvy universe, smoking outside is banned unless you're in a smoking area. There's this strange little... um, Glass enclosures in near stations, particularly, we saw them where you have to go to smoke. So it's weird. Yes. If you're outside. You can smoke in bars and restaurants, yeah. but you can't smoke outdoors unless you're in a designated oh, little yeah. smoking booth. Whereas yeah, yeah. people seem to be kind of queuing up sometimes to actually go and stand in them to have their cigarette. Yeah, uh, Yes. that does
0: encapsulate
1: the slightly top, topsy turvy world that is Japan. <laughs> In fact, I, sometimes I feel like I'm almost a, an apologist for. Is the word? Like I feel ashamed of my nation a lot of the time, which is bad. I felt the same way in Germany a lot of times. Like, why is it so hard? Why do we make everything so hard? I we can't run trains, we can't behave on trains, all this kind of stuff. So, in some ways, I feel this uh, unambiguous uh, adoration of the fact that Japanese managed to pull things off so well. So, of course, there's a dark side to it. With the dark side, they still have capital punishment big time. Um, you can be arrested without charge for three weeks. Something like that. Somewhere behind all this perfect world is You're saying gender roles. It's gender roles are very rigid here. Um, groping on trains apparently. Some other things. So and there's uh, I was just reading about crime rates this morning. It's got the essentially one I think the third lowest crime rate in the world. Monaco and Palau are a lot, it did feel very safe, I didn't feel very unsafe, it, it,
2: even going through back laneways and alleys and mm-hmm. it was all clean and tidy and all sorts of people, people everywhere. As well,
1: as well, yeah, all yeah. kinds of people all yeah. the time, even into like a small town, it was pretty quiet night mm-hmm. time, and, never crossed my mind, never crossed my yeah, mind,
2: yeah. plus you're less likely to yeah. get run over so few cars, even like mm-hmm. personal safety, like, I, I feel the same as over in Australia, yeah. like, we're not worry about bags mm. being left anywhere.
1: I didn't have the experience, but apparently if you do leave your bag anywhere, you're more likely to have people run after you. And tell yes. you. Remember you forgot your yeah, yeah, yeah. map somewhere and yeah. someone ran after you?
2: Oh, yeah. After I left it at that shoe shop.
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
2: He chased me. He was out of breath. He chased us like two blocks. Oh, that's right. <clears <clears <your throat> yeah. I did go back and buy the sneakers, mm. so it was a happy story.